This is Tom Darling, your host for Conversations with Classic Boats, the podcast that talks to boats. Thanks for joining us here in Season 4 of the podcast. Hopefully you are already a follower and you subscribe to Conversations with Classic Boats. Hopefully you also tuned into our first episode of the new all-interview episode of The Sailor's Log. Here, Dave Perry, rules guru, match racer, a man who entertains by educating, and vice versa. Find Sailor's Log wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, on the normal Conversations with Classic Boats website. And join the conversation. We're moving to boating weather here in the Northeast. El Nino is returning. Thoughts drift to yachting fantasy. This story of beautiful boats, lost and found, takes us to another coast. It is a transcontinental slice of 20th century boat history. It starts in the frenetic times of the 1920s, when the international rule became the law of the design land, and beautiful boats, 12s, 8s, and of course 6s, graced the Northeast. And it involves a mystery that so many design aficionados always ask me in emails. Do you know that boat in that article? What happened to that boat? This episode is about boating archaeology, a boating whodunit, and what we uncover. If Lewis Gates can trace ancestry of people on PBS, so can we with boats. See what you think. And after you listen, contact us with anything you know about the boats in question. These are the classic international six meters of the first half of the 20th century. You heard from us, meaning my narrator and cousin, Peter Taylor, and I, as we have researched the birth of the international six meter as the Grand Prix boat of its time, whale-hilled owners, glamorous skippers, striking boats. A century ago, the establishment of a U.S.-U.K. challenge, the British-American Cup, brought with it a golden age of innovative racing keelboat design. In our 2021 series on the development of the six-meter, we marked the BAC as an inflection point in modern yacht racing. After the inclusion of yachting in the Olympics in 1908, there was the interruption of World War I. Then when with post-world pandemic getting in the way, it wasn't until 1920 that the idea of cross-Atlantic competition became practical. The protagonists were in Oyster Bay, Long Island, and Cowes, England. 1921 marked the first team race between Old England and New America. Match one in the Solent, that current-ridden weather-plague cut between the Isle of Wight and the English mainland. But don't let me get sidetracked here. These were the rules of engagement for the British-American Cup. You designed your boat to the international six-meter rule. That was virtually unknown in the U.S. Each side fielded four boats. You alternated venues, Cows and Oyster Bay. And the reward, the first country to win two matches in succession, would take permanent possession of the cup. The BAC lit a fire under Anglo-U.S. keelboat competition. 
An early 20s photo in the gallery shows a procession of six meters on the solent. These are the older sixes, the historical bridge to the feverish design activity that culminated in the 1938 designs in the U.S., England, and Scandinavia. 1930 was practically the end of competition as Europe descended into fatal chaos. In 1921, the design center of gravity for keelboats was still in Boston. The four American boats in that initial BAC were Jean and Saki from the firm of Burgess and Payne in Boston. William Gardner designed the other two, Montauk and Grebe. The U.S. side sailing in unfamiliar water in the Solent absorbed a 117 to 88 loss from its British counterparts. Drake Sparkman, who was Owen Stevens' partner, writing in a 1936 article in Yachting entitled 15 Years of the Six Meters, Peter Taylor gives us the details. Not a very auspicious beginning in some respects, but from another point of view, not at all disappointing considering our unfamiliarity with the rule. He continued, A return match was scheduled for Oyster Bay in 1922, and the interest aroused by the inauguration of the British American Cup series was reflected in the rush to build boats to try for places on the American team. No less than 13 sixes were built in this country in 1922, the greatest number in any single season in the history of the class, Sparkman writes on page 6. In this boom year, 10 different designers went to work. Sidney Harrisoff, Charles D. Mower, Clinton H. Crane, Addison G. Hannon, Frederick M. Hoyt, W. Starling Burgess, Frank C. Payne, C. Sherman Hoyt, and John Alden toiled over their boards. Nevins, Wood, Lolly, Harrisoff, and Jacob put their best boat builders to work. With the country's ranking designers drawing the plans, the nation's best boat builders practicing their craft in the all-important matter of construction, the best sailmakers exerting their skill and imagination, and the most eminent small boat skippers handling the finished product, it is a small wonder that the class has flourished, Sparkman notes on page 64. Thanks, Peter. And so started one of the most intense periods of boat development in U.S. yachting history. From four boats in 1921, the sixes grew to 65 racing numbers by 1936. Fifty-eight of them were designed and built by Americans. Sawanica Corinthian Yacht Club in Oyster Bay on Long Island's Gold Coast was the epicenter of that activity. It was designed, built, and sailed to survive for the first BAC in U.S. water conducted from Oyster Bay. Drake Sparkman, in his 1936 article, amplified on that, and he said, quote, The credit for introducing the six meters in this country and their early development obviously belongs to the Sawanica Corinthian Yacht Club. Its energetic sponsoring of international small boat racing started things and kept them going. The most recent history of the class reveals how diligently Sawanica has kept the light burning, even during the darkest Depression years. With the building of Lanai from a Clinton crane design by a Sawanica syndicate in 1925, a new era began in American six-meter racing. Lanai was an unqualified success, unquote. The Sixes game was on. Designer, builder, driver, owner. 
They were the marine variety of formula racing teams up to World War II. The earliest example of this outburst of innovation spends its summers floating off the SCYC dock. Hugh Jones' 1924 contender, Madcap, sits prettily off the launch dock of the club, reminding us of all this epic keelboat heritage. Madcap was a Frederick Hoyt design, an architect who was well represented in early 1920s competition. Hoyt had his own particular unique backstory. He had just happened to survive the sinking of the Titanic in 1912. Look at the photo of the half models of the most famous sixes in the gallery. This is the bar of the Sawanica Corinthian Yacht Club. It is evidence of that club's dedication to the class. This exquisite Edwardian bar contains a stunning collection of sixes models, including a ceiling to floor display of half models in chronological order. The photo starts chronologically in the 1920s at the top and works its way down through a decade of innovative naval architecture. On the top, the aforementioned Lanai, Clinton Crane's prototype for future designs like the famous Lucy too of Brooks Cunningham. Next, Akaba, 1927. Crane's next design and Cunningham's first six. Renamed for his bride-to-be, Lucy. And from that point on the wall, with the exception of two looters' designs of 1932 and 34, Rebel and Challenge, cool-looking gray boats with the trademark looter's shear and sharp ends, the rest of the board of models is all Stevens, S&S, Sparkman and Stevens. And that lineup included Jill in 1930 for the Havemeyers, the Sugar family. We know it as Domino Sugar. Bobcat 2, 1931, the Myers. And then at the bottom of the stack, the trio that confirmed Stevens' fame as the foremost designer of sixes. Gin. 1938, medalist at the Olympics as late as 1952, which was the last games for the Sixes. Goose, 1938, first sailed, then disassembled. Remember, the stern on the Sawanica dining room wall was Goose's first stern, and then rebuilt to be the winningest Six in history. And Lenoria, built a decade later in 1948, for Herman Swede Witten, the godfather of the modern 6-meter, and its descendant, the 5.5-meter. She is a boat still active, with a heritage of two Olympic gold medals, one in 48 and 52. The photo in the Salonica Bar does not do justice to the three-dimensional grace of these models. America's growing dominance of the 6-meter class tracked with the rise of one designer who left MIT in 1926 with a mission to design fast boats. That was Owen Stevens, and the six-meter was his first weapon of choice on the water. In his autobiography, he explained, and I quote, I started my career with tools of observation and intuition, to which quantitative analysis has gradually been added. 
Whenever possible, I studied lines and tried to see the way shape was coupled to performance. Unquote. His first design appeared in the January 1928 yachting. It was Ghost. And from there, the sixes just flowed. In 1929, Owen set up an office with Drake Sparkman on City Island in the Bronx. It was Herman F. Witten who collaborated with Owen Stevens to produce Cherokee in 1930, really Owen's breakthrough design, and the first six to carry a big parachute spinnaker. British yachting writers dubbed it the beginning of, quote, the Stevens era, where the American amateur crews displayed market superiority over the British who were depending on conservative paid hands, unquote. After squeaking out a win in the BAC in 1930, the American six-meter teams did not lose another contest in that decade. It is the string of Stevens' designs that came to be in the 30s that have lived on to design fame. Aside from the wall of trophies at Sawanica, for the array of international competitions, the BAC, the Sawanica Cup, the Gold Cup, and photographs. Where is the evidence of these elegant Grand Prix yachts measuring from 36 to 43 feet with cramped cockpits and acres of sail? Where did they go? Where to what yachting elephant's graveyard or old curiosity shop did these finely tuned gorgeous crafts go? The mission of my cousin Peter Taylor, a very talented amateur photographer, and he was to set out to find out where these boats were. Peter broke the story first, based on encountering an unusual collector of some of the most famous designs in the six-meter firmament. He identified on the other side of the continent, in the Pacific Northwest, across Puget Sound from Seattle on Bainbridge Island in a boatyard and an anchorage that smells of old wooden canvas, the private collection of one Peter Hoffman, amassed with his help, and amassed with the help of his father, Harry Hoffman. The Hoffmans are, have been the curators of sixes, going back to the 1931 saga and forward to the SNS trio of 38 to 48. Goose, Gin, Lenoria. These are boating Medici's, Rockefellers. Pick your passionate appreciator of classic art. The Hoffmans preserve this cache, the original designs, floating or cradled in the most unique depository of boats that we know of. From the San Juan Islands down to Seattle, the tradition of wooden boats may be as strong today as it is in strongholds like Midcoast, Maine. But nowhere have we seen a living museum of a class like the International Six Meter. Peter Teller tells in his own words the story of how he discovered this and what he saw. As you know, Peter Hoffman, as his father before him, has been the multi-decade Bainbridge Island custodian of my great uncle's storied 1938 six-meter goose, which George Nichols commissioned SNS to design and Nevins to build to sail out of Salonica Corinthian Yacht Club. Some pictures. How about that fabulous picture of Goose and Lenoria, big boats looking like nesting dolls? How could you borrow one of these? It turns out that 
Dennis Connors borrowed the late 30s, 6, in 2017 for the pre-Worlds and Worlds in the Pacific Northwest. We'll talk more about the Worlds and what's going on in 2023 a little later. Goose is one of a collection of classic sixes that Hoffman has owned, rebuilt, and or refined, and continues to campaign globally. In fact, Hoffman's other great SNS Suanica boat, Lenoria, now resides in Switzerland for the active six-meter racing scene there. This past January, Peter invited me to visit his workshop on Bainbridge Island. Of course, I jumped at the opportunity. There I saw not only Goose, but also his current project, Diamant, the 1907 Swedish Six designed by Albert Anderson, which Hoffman is fully reconstructing. Diamant was one of the first international rule sixes. It was fascinating to see Hoffman set about to rebuild her from the design drawings. Among other six-meter projects in queue was maybe seven, the early 1950s SNS design and 1952 Helsinki Olympic competitor, somewhat famously chartered by Dennis Connor in the recent Vancouver six-meter worlds, in for a tune-up. As fascinating as the Hoffman Yard was, he also gave me a private tour of the Port Madison Yacht Club, the small, modest Bainbridge Yacht Club that's long been the recent center of U.S. six-meter sailing, and there, tied up with Saga, the immaculately maintained and upgraded 1936-6 that launched the International One Design class. It was a magical day. It really is truly amazing. Now, what names does Mr. Hoffman follow in his Sixes universe? First, the Saga. The early 1930s Norwegian design sailed in Bermuda by the Trimminghams that caught Corny Shields Sr.'s eye and led to the commissioning of the derivative called the International One Design for fleets in Larchmont, Marblehead, and Bermuda itself. The picture is there of Saga covered and floating, still at the dock in Bainbridge Island. The creation story of the IOD we detailed back in 2021, but let's just recap. Here's the timeline. Corny Shields Sr. is commissioned by Larchmont Yacht Club members for a replacement to the aging Sound Interclub fleet. Corny visits his friends, the Trimminghams, in Bermuda and sees their Norwegian-designed saga. He haggles with the designer, Bernaz, from Norway, for a one-design adaptation. Shields would end up asking for a taller rig and more ballast for the LIS Long Island Sound model that debuted in 1935. In the gallery, we have a shot of Saga in 1936 from the book The Saga of the International One Design, 2010, charging upwind in her home waters of Bermuda. There you have it. Saga at the dock today, 2023 in Bainbridge. Saga sailing way back when, 1936. Saga's home port and yacht club is Port Madison. Her actually owner is Kimo McKay, Port Madison Yacht Club member, and he has owned Saga for some three decades. Her descendant, the IOD, has seen upwards of 250 boats built in wood and since the 1970s in fiberglass. And it will enjoy its 87th year of competition this September in Nantucket at the IOD World Championships. The IOD was the boat of choice for so many of the marquee skippers of the mid-20th century. 
How many America's Cup skippers cut their teeth on this 33-foot, 7,000-pound thoroughbred? In the gallery, see the photo of Bob Bevere, sailing number 20, the family IOD, on Long Island Sound. Bob, of course, would go on to skipper Constellation, the America's Cup winner in 1964. The second example, certainly my favorite, and perhaps the most prized six in the Hoffman collection, is a Hall of Fame boat, Goose, built in 1938, alleged to be the fastest Owen Stevens six-meter ever built before World War II. The derivative and the godfather of her post-war cousin, Lenoria. Accounts of late 1930s racing, in a day when sailboat racing was on the front page of the newspaper sports section, feature Goose in her many victories. To my eye, the Goose profile was in Owen Stevens' mind when he drew the Shields as the 1960s replacement for Larchmont's aging IOD fleet. See what you think from the photo in the gallery of a model exquisitely done by a talented French model builder. And finally, the immortal Lenoria, her inexplicable name given by owner Herman Swede Witten for the name of an oil deposit in West Texas. The boat that set the speed standard for six meters post-war when the Olympics still featured the six meter. It was Witten who won the most medals for an American in Olympic sailing and led the transition to the 5.5 meter from the Olympic Six, which had been the queen, as we said, of the Olympic fleet since 1908. So Hoffman clearly has a longing for bringing these later SNS Sixes up to code and race ready. See the picture of Goose and Lenorio stacked up like toy boats. It's a, it's a great picture. Today, Lenoria is almost as race ready and classic, with its very own web presence. In its March 6, 2023 article entitled Road to the Six-Meter Worlds 2023, Scuttlebutt News highlighted the renewed interest today in international six-meter sailing. The same iconic Royal Yacht Squadron in Cows that initiated the British American Cup back in 21, 1921, will be hosting the event August 31 to September 8 in the Solent. Boats in open and classic divisions will come from Europe and North America. And I quote Scuttlebutt, one of our great collaborators and distribution partners, quote, the worlds will be the culmination of a summer of special six-meter events in Cowes, which include the British Open Championships, June 22 to 25, and British Classic Week. July 17 to 21. Oh, would that I could be there. Hoffman, after giving Peter Taylor the guided tour, also directed him to Seattle's Wooden Boat Center, a mecca for the lovers of the smaller wood race boat. It was there that Peter found the circa 1920s off of Fox International 14 that we showed in the March 23 Winchek story on Off of Fox and Bruce Kirby. Wooden classics are everywhere and of all sizes and shapes. So working on two coasts, we've come full circle from early 2021 to tell the story of the international six meter. We urge you to go back and review our podcasts of early 2021. 
on the Conversations with Classic Boats website. The whole sets of galleries and podcasts are there for you. Find them at the website at www.conversationswithclassicboats.com. I think this will whet your appetite for more knowledge of this exquisite design of American keelboats, the International Six Meter. It was the training ground for so many great skippers. Name them. They trained on the sixes and their one design relative, the International One Design. For almost 40 years, sailboat racing teams on both sides of the Atlantic took the competition as seriously as sponsors take today Formula One. We know you've all seen Drive to Survive. Owners employing designers, builders, and drivers built new contenders at a furious pace. The British American Cup in 1921 cemented that transformation, and until the threat of World War cut it short, the best and brightest of designers and boat drivers threw themselves onto the circuit. From Briggs Cunningham to Swedewitten, these enthusiasts would carry the meter boat forward in a golden age to the beginning of the 12 meter in 1958. We have a dedicated enthusiast like Peter Hoffman in Seattle to thank for leading the charge to keep these living, breathing boats alive to be seen and even raced. Lenoria, Goose, Saga, like Ferrari, Mercedes, Aston Martin, are all synonymous with yachting performance at a highest level. And we're learning about the history of other lost fleets of sixes. One apparently was at Gibson Island on the west shore of the Chesapeake before World War II. Our friend Tom Price, formerly Stuart Walker's International 14 crew, has, has the story, and he's remaking the story by introducing the IOD down to Gibson Island. We understand that as many as half a dozen, including well-known names as Indian Scout and Bobcat, were sailing there before the Second World War. So, we give you this charge. Look for your sixes and report. Look for sixes and tell us if you find any. We have so many thanks to give out for this episode especially Peter Taylor, for his field work in the wilds of Seattle and his fabulous photos. Peter Hoffman, we salute you. You are doing important work. Thanks to the IOD Class Association for their excellent 2010 History of the International One Design class. And we appreciate, as always, our friends at Scuttlebutt News adding to the conversation on classic boats. It will be a summer of the sixes. And remember, subscribe to Conversations with Classic Boats, and give us a rating. Five stars, please. This helps us reach out and include more sailors in the conversation. And sample episode one of the Sailor's Log. Tell us what you think. Give us ideas for who you'd like to hear from. This episode was written by Tom Darling and produced by Griffin Bengroff. Editorial support came from Jason Moraz. And remember... Spring has sprung. Get out on the water. Take care of yourself and someone else if you can. Fair sailing. Tom Darling. 
And we'll roll the old chariot along. We'll roll the old chariot along. We'll roll the old chariot along. And we'll all hang on behind. And a drop of Nelson's blood wouldn't do us any harm. A drop of Nelson's blood wouldn't do us any harm.